All right, hey, so as Derek said, my name is Colby Allen. Um, I have the blessing to say uh, that I served as a pastoral resident here in the very early days of renewal, first two years of the church. I'm honored now to say that uh, I serve as the middle school and high school pastor at First Christian Church in uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa. It's a little bedroom community, like 70,000, right across the river from Omaha. Um, I have a beautiful wife and best friend uh, named Megan. Um, you'll see her up there in a sec. A son named Atlas, uh, who's so sweet, um, brings me so much joy. Not pictured is our dog named Bruce, um, who is the Dark Knight. We got him here when we lived in Gotham City. Um, so I have a request for you this morning. I need some special grace and some special patience from you as we expound God's word. I've spent the last two years preaching to white, insecure teenagers in Iowa. And so I may not be as used to a vibrant and expressive community that responds to me as I, as I communicate. And so if I'm a little off, just have patience with me, have some grace, okay? Speaking of grace, grace is good, amen? Grace is really good. One of the main sources of God's grace that he's given me in my life is my wife, Megan. And if I've learned anything from Pastor Derek, it's to lean on and lift up, to thank God for, and to give proper credit to my wife. So let me see, let me see if I still got it. It's been a couple years, so... Y'all, she is the juice to my jerry curl. She is the cool to my cool whip, the sweet in my sweet potato pie, y'all. She is the love of my life. Honestly, honestly, though, I'm, I'm a pumpkin pie guy, though, uh, which I know to some of you is blasphemy. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Jokes aside, I learned so much in my time here with Renewal, a deep well's worth of experience that I've been able to draw on in the last couple years of ministry. I, I learned how to love people here. I learned how to have tough conversations. I learned how to work my butt off back in that stinking trailer up that alley at Kitchen Chicago at six in the morning and two feet of snow uphill both ways, right? I learned how to lead my peers and others, uh, those older than myself. I learned how to follow Jesus into uncomfortable situations in the city of Chicago. I learned how to ask people to leverage their gifts, talents, treasures, and abilities to come alongside of me and partner with me in what God's doing in his kingdom. I learned how to live in community with brothers and sisters from different ethnic backgrounds who, who grew up different than myself. I learned how to be serious about gospel-centered discipleship. This morning, man, I'm celebrating what I see in front of me. There are so many here that I haven't met or that I just met this morning, and at the same time, there's so many that it's so good to see you Again, like Paul in Colossians chapter one, I've, I've heard of your faith. I've heard what God is doing in Chicago and I'm celebrating, I'm praising our Father in heaven. God is good, amen? And he's building his church. The gates of hell won't overcome it. God's gonna keep doing his thing. I had a conversation the other day with someone in my family um, that went south real quick. The conversation went south real quick and, and I was reflecting on why why? When it didn't need to. As, re as I reflected on why, it turned, um, my thoughts turned towards um, this person um, has a lack of godly community and, and a lack of discipleship over the long haul in their life. And Proverbs 13.20 says that whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. 
So don't miss that it is a significant gift from God to wake up on Sunday morning and look forward to going to church. That's a gift, right? To look forward to being with your people. And don't miss that, like Cheers back in the day, any of y'all watch Cheers or seen it, know what it is? Like Cheers back in the day, you have a place where people actually know your name and they're glad you came, right? And even if they don't know your name yet here, if you're new, they want to. I can speak on behalf of the church here, even though I don't get to be here every week, that they want to know your name. So don't take this for granted. Don't, don't miss out. Learn to love Jesus by serving and loving this church, right? You wanna, you wanna get to know me, you wanna, you wanna love me and serve me, you better be kind and loving toward my wife, right? And so it is with Christ and his church, his bride. Learn to love Jesus by serving his bride here. Renewal Church is a community of believers centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ, passionately committed to seeking the welfare of this city, Chicago. And it's becoming more and more true every day, amen? God's building his church. It's his, it's his mission, and he's doing it. God is knitting together a beautiful tapestry for his glory, and I love it. For some of you in the room who aren't sure what you think about Jesus or you're not sure what you think about church in general, and especially this little church plant, even though this isn't where I serve week in and week out, I can confidently tell you that number one, we are super glad you're here. And number two, that this is a place where you can ask tough questions. It's a place where you can belong well before you believe, amen? Those Renewal Church members here, amen? That, this is the kind of space that we're building and that God is cultivating here. You have the space and the time with us to get things sorted out. God, your father, is patient. He doesn't want anyone to miss out on life with Jesus. He wants every one of his children to find satisfying life in him. And so lean in this morning. Lean into what God has to say to your life. Today I want to accomplish two things in our time together. Number one, I wanna share the story of, as Colossians 1, 6 puts it, how I came to hear and understand the truth about God's wonderful grace. I'll share my own story. And number two, I wanna point you to Jesus. He is the only one who can fuel the heart habit of celebration, which is central to our growth as Christians. If you would turn with me to Colossians chapter one, that's where we're gonna spend all of our time today. Uh, Colossians chapter one. Um, Paul, go figure, um, inspired by God, Paul does a really good job um, clarifying, clarifying uh, what we're shooting for. And this is my heart for today's message. Check this out. It's beautiful. In, in verses 9 and 10, Paul says this. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding that you'd be filled, that's, that's one priority this morning, is that you'd be filled with all knowledge and wisdom, so as, for the reason of, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what we wanna see, amen? That's what we wanna see, that's why we're here. We're, we're here this morning to lean into and learn from the God who promises that joy springs up out of obedience. We're here 
leaning into and learning from the God who promises that a life of genuine, real, tangible, authentic celebration comes from, springs from, centering our lives around Jesus and his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's given us. That's where real, genuine celebration comes from. And so, I wanna share the story of how Jesus changed my life, and I wanna point you to Jesus, who's the only one who can fuel real celebration in your life. And all of this is so that you would be filled. All of this stuff, all these words that I'm gonna say is so that you'd be filled with wisdom and understanding to bear good fruit. So how about I pray, and we'll jump into it. Sound good? Jesus, what a joy. What a gift it is to gather the people of God. Would you shape and mold and transform your people through your revealed word this morning? Speak through my meager efforts. I pray that those listening would see through me and only see you. May I become less as you become more. Amen. Today, I wanna press into the importance of developing the art in heart habit, the gut instinct of celebration, of joy, of gratitude. It's central to our growth as Christians. It's central to the way the world views us. Renewal Church, are you a celebratory people? Would you say you're a celebratory people? Are you, are you quick to laugh? Are you quick to, to party? Are you hospitable? Would the words grateful, thankful, joyful, be among the first descriptors that a person from the outside looking in would, would describe your life as an individual? Grateful, joyful, thankful? What about y'all, y'all's life collectively? Would, that, would those be words that they would use to describe Renewal Church? Grateful, joyful, thankful. When you really get your mind around the grace that we've been given in Jesus, Gratitude, thankfulness, joy, laughter, all of those things, they just bust out, they, they ooze out, they, they overflow, right? In Colossians 1, verse 11, continuing from what we had read, Paul continues by saying, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So basically, May you be able to put up with the crazy stuff that's gonna come your way as you follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, stuff's gonna get crazy, right? You know what's gonna hit the fan, right? It's gonna get crazy, okay? May you be able to put up with that kind of stuff with joy, joy in all circumstances, joy that isn't uh, derived from your circumstances, but that is deeper than that, right? That's God's heart for your life, is that you would live a life of joy, and in verse 12, he continues, and he says, giving thanks to the Father, and this is beautiful, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. God, through Christ, has qualified each one of you to share in this. This is a gift, man. Not everyone has this. This is a gift, and he's qualified you for that. And so that you should be giving thanks regularly for this. And that, that art, that habit, that, um, that instinct of, of thankfulness, of joy, of celebration, that's, it's truly an art, right? Are there any artists in the room? Chris T., where you at? Allie, yes sir. Yes ma'am, sorry. 
Yeah, art, right? How do you develop a craft? How do you go about getting better at art? Getting better at art, that seems like wrong to say, right? I'm good at art, right? I'm very good, that's very good art, right? What is good? I don't know. You do it, right? You do art. You just keep doing it over and over and over again. The art of celebration, the art of gratitude. Renewal Church, embrace God's gift to us, Jesus. Embrace him. Practice, 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 practice lifting him up, celebrating him in the everyday stuff of life, being grateful for him, having joy that flows up out of your relationship with him. I want to take a second uh, to zoom out on Colossians 1. Um, In this first section of of chapter 1, from verses 1 to 14, Paul gets through all of his pleasantries that he normally does. Um, He he sends them greetings. Um, He summarizes his relationship that he has with the Colossians thus far um, and how they met each other. And then he starts to get into his heart's desire for this church. It's what we just read, right? He's describing how he's actively praying for them. In the second half of chapter one, Paul writes a poem that is among the most majestic of words that have ever been written. Through this poem, you can hear Paul saying, hey, Colossians, if you're gonna grow as followers of Jesus, you have to learn to celebrate every single day the earth-shattering truth of who Jesus is. If this stuff is true, this flips the world upside down. This changes everything, and you've gotta learn to celebrate this and bring it into the everyday stuff of life. And so Renewal Church, if, if we're going to grow as followers of Jesus, if we're going to grow as a church, if you that aren't sure where you stand with Jesus right now, if, if you're ever going to figure stuff out, we've got to wrap our minds around, we've got to embrace every day this earth-shattering truth about who Jesus is. And we'll read it. Man, let me tell you, this, this poem about who Christ is, it's beautiful, it's good, it's good news, it's good truth. In verse 13, Paul reminds the Colossians that our Father, as it says, has delivered us from the domain of darkness. That's good news. And he's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He purchased our freedom. Jesus purchased our freedom. He forgave our sins through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. He conquered death and he he freed us from the power of sin by rising from the dead. And he paved the way for us to follow him into paradise, into heaven, by ascending to God's right hand. And he sent the Holy Spirit that gives us real deal power, real power to be who he's called us to be. And that's good news, amen? This is is good news. I've experienced this good news to be true in my own life over the last 10 years. I grew up in a small town in Kansas, um, about an hour south of Kansas City. My dad and my mom never got married. Uh, They were in high school when they had me. Um, I grew up playing any and every sport I could get my hands on. Football was my main thing, though. As a kid, I really thought I was going to play college football. That was was my plan. We didn't didn't have much money, and so that was my plan to to have a successful life because I didn't know another way to do it. That's what got me out of bed in the morning was football. It was this hope that I'd be known, that I'd be remembered, that that I'd be remembered like the three state championship teams from when I was in elementary school. 
High school for me was this revolving door of lifting weights, chasing girls, and doing sometimes illegal slash stupid things with my friends. Sleeping around, drunkenness, stealing, vandalism, anger. I was pretty jacked up inside, but I didn't, I didn't get caught. So things looked pretty good, right? My junior year of high school um, was rough. I started at, at linebacker, um, and even as short as I am, uh, I was the sixth man on the basketball team, which those, those things were awesome. But I was desperately depressed. My mom recalls that, uh, that most, of that school, most of that school year, any of the conversations that we would have was just me screaming. I would come home uh, from practice, I would grab some food, slam and lock my door, and she wouldn't see me until I left for school the next day. I was in a really dark place. My best friends and some kids in my math class they pestered me all year. They couldn't stop talking about this summer trip and what God had done in their lives through this trip. They invited me over and over and over again all school year, and I said no every single time. No, I don't wanna to go to your dumb church thing. Why, why would I do that? I now know that they prayed for me by name as a group, and I know now that there were teachers in my school, Christian teachers who loved Jesus, who prayed for me by name. God, the creator, the real artist, the poet, was writing a new story behind the scenes. Early in the spring semester of my junior year, my second stepdad came to pick up my younger siblings whom I'd been babysitting while my mom was at work. He threw me the keys. Uh, it, was, it was right near sunset, and so he threw me the keys uh, to his Jeep, and he took off in our car, which just had two bucket seats. Um, about an hour later, I got a call from my neighbor who said that they saw our car rolled over down in the river bottom. My, my stepdad was drunk um, when he picked him up, and I didn't even notice because he just popped in my room and threw me the keys. My little brother was ejected from the car um, because he was just sitting on my sister's lap without a seatbelt. My sister was a third grader, he was a second grader, and she was the only one buckled up. She got out and, and she woke up my stepdad, who was unconscious, and, and she went and found my little brother, who wasn't breathing, and so she started pushing on his chest, because that's all she knew to do, and he, he started breathing again, and so she dragged him, a third grader dragged him in the mud up to the side of the road. He was life-flighted to Kansas City, and long story short, this crushed me. This was my rock bottom moment of my life. I remember laying in bed, just weeping all night. Praise God, my brother is okay. Um, he just graduated from high school last week, uh, which is good news. But my life, my life was a mess and I knew it and God was stripping back the veneer that I had placed up over my life um, and he was showing me my brokenness. He was taking away the things that I had found my identity in and showing me who I really was. My second stepdad, he moved out after the wreck and my mom got a divorce again. She was overwhelmed, four kids, one in each grade or each level of school, doing a master's, working full time through a divorce and, and I wasn't ready to take on the kind of responsibility that I knew that I needed to as a 17-year-old young man. All the sin in my life just got worse. I was, I was in a spiral. And eventually my friends got me to go to that trip that summer. 
because one, I was so desperate, I didn't even know it, and I didn't know what I was looking for, and two, they were going whitewater rafting. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'll go to your dumb church thing so I can do the coolest thing ever. Yeah, sign me up. Easy decision. And so halfway through the week, I used some rather firm expletives to describe my experience thus far, and um, I was especially grossed out by the song that said this. Check this out. How beautiful the blood flowed, how merciful the love shone. I never knew death could be so sweet. Is this some sort of like 2008 emo band that, right? It's Death Cab for Cutie or something. I don't know. What in the world did I just get myself into? What in the world? But Wednesday night of that week, halfway through the week, 70 kids from my youth group, from my high school, are sitting in the choir room on a college campus, right, with the tiered seating. They were confessing sin. They were, they were sharing ways that they had hurt themselves and mistakes they'd made and, and ways they had hurt each other and, and forgiving one another. They were praying over each other, bringing these things to a God whom they believed could actually do something about it. My heart was about to explode in my chest. I couldn't catch a full breath. I knew that I had to get it out. I had to share what I did and I had to share what had happened to me. And so I sobbed and I shared my story. I was a tough guy crying like a little baby. Another kid who was there named Blake, um, who my friends and I actively and openly mocked because he ran like a robot. I don't know how we could have avoided it, but um, he, was my, he was my backup in football and track, every sport we played. And this dude turned around and he grabbed my hand as I wept. Not like a sissy handhold, but like a real bro, you know? Um, and one of the elders from my church um, who came with us, he shared the gospel with me that night after we were done. And God changed me. I remember saying to my best friend and to my youth pastor, I don't know all the details on this whole thing. I don't know how it works, but I know I want this Jesus you talk so much about. You all clearly have something I don't. And I gave my life to Jesus. I got baptized after a few weeks of studying the life of Jesus with my youth pastor. And when, when we got home and for me, it was instant change. Jesus rocked my world. He flipped it upside down. He changed me in a moment, dark to light, dead to alive, kingdom of Colby to the kingdom of God. At once, I found myself alive. And so the lifetime of celebrating Jesus began August 17th of 2008. And this is the Jesus who changed my life. If you would stand with me to read Colossians 1, 15 to 20 we will read about the Redeemer who lives. The text says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was, listen to this word, pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, including us, Reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The very words of God, amen? Amen. You can have a seat. 
See, I didn't know, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know this truth right here, that that's who Christ was. I didn't know that. I had, I had seen but a glimmer of who Jesus is, and it was enough to capture my heart, just a glimpse. And I promise you that this is the only truth that's worth your time. You can make the most money. You can coach kids into being world-class athletes. You can be the youngest CEO in your company's history, have 14 side hustles, be with the sexiest man or woman alive. It doesn't matter unless you deal with this truth first. What matters is what do you do with the identity of Jesus? How do you respond to Jesus? Because if he is who he says he is, if that's true, if he is all those things, nothing else matters. When you get who Jesus is and you grasp the fact that he gave everything, he had everything, he had it all, and he gave it all away, and he came and died like a criminal for you, when you grasp that, you'll never be the same. When you let that sink, like Luke said this the other day, when you let that sink to the basement of your heart, you let that sink to the depths of who you are, you will never be the same. The only appropriate response at that point is to give him everything, to stop messing around with him and go all in. I don't get to see things week in and week out like I used to around here, but I'd be willing to bet that there are some of you here this morning who are scared to be vulnerable. You're not all in. You're holding back. God doesn't own all of you. He just owns compartments. He just owns little sections of who you are. You're not in a small group because you say you're busy or you're waiting to make sure this is the church you're actually gonna land at, which has been a long process. But it's not those things, it's, it's fear. Right? It's fear that you'll be rejected, fear that you won't fit in, fear that you don't know enough, fear that God will actually change you and you'll lose control of the little empire that you're building in your heart and in your life. Some of you aren't serving or giving. You're just receiving. I promise you, you're not going to thrive until you're all in, until he owns it all, until you push all chips on the table and you're all in. You'll never know unless you let God do his thing in your life. C.S. Lewis, an author, um, once said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Doesn't it seem that our desires, we often think, are, are way too strong, right? And it, and it seems that we want too many things in life. And it says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. Get this, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. So don't settle Renewal Church, don't settle for less than God's best for you. The Christian life is one of, of daily celebrating Jesus, constantly, consistently lifting him up in the everyday stuff of your life. In your vocation, in your family, in your romance, in your studies, in your finances, in your friendships. First Peter 3.15 says, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. It's interesting, he doesn't say, all right, Christians, 
All right, church, how about you guys go buy billboard space so you can set apart Christ as Lord? No. He says in your heart. It starts in your heart. He doesn't say, all right, Christians, uh, how about you post some dope Instagram pics and get a huge following to set apart Christ as Lord? No. No way. He says in your heart. It starts in the quiet moments before you fall asleep at night. What rules, what lords over your heart and your mind in those moments? It starts in the morning when you wake up. What are your first thoughts? Is it to roll over and check email? To check Facebook or Instagram? What rules your thoughts, your heart? It starts in your heart. It starts right here. Who or what do you look to to tell you that you're on track? What tells you that you're going the right direction in your life? Is it your Tinder account? Is it your quarterly review? In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Give him the space to be who he really is. Give him the space to be the, the Colossians 1, 15 to 20 Christ that we just read about. Give him that space. Remember that he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together, which includes you. So when he says, go all in, you can trust him. It will go well for you. He's trustworthy. He's worthy of being trusted. Luke 11, 27 and 28, Jesus is preaching. And this woman in the crowd yells out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came and the breasts from which you nursed. She's saying, man, to be your mom, how cool would that be? It'd be pretty cool to be Jesus' mom, right? I'd love that. I'd love to be Jesus' mom. Jesus replied, but even more blessed, even better than being my mom, even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. That's profound. Richard Foster says in the spiritual life, only one thing, there's only one thing in all the spiritual life, only one thing will produce genuine, authentic joy and that is obedience. There's an old hymn, some of you might know it, that tells us that there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Okay, Colby, so you cried and you yelled and you, you made some stuff rhyme and, and cool, I get it. Jesus is a big deal. What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with this morning? July 1st, Chicago, Illinois, day one of the 2018 NBA free agency, what does this have to do with today? Col Colossians 2.7 says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then, then when you do that, when you do that, when you let your lives grow into this truth about who Christ is, then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. That's what it has to do with right now. Do you want that kind of life? I do. What if, what if you couldn't help but to ooze thankfulness and joy and peace and gratitude? Does our polarized, rage-filled, echo chamber, hopeless culture need people to overflow with thankfulness right now? Yes, yes. We desperately need Christians to overflow with thankfulness with gratitude, with joy, to be at peace. I long for that in my life. And Paul says the, the only path to that kind of life is, 
is growing your roots into Jesus, is building your life on the foundation, the solid rock of Jesus. Friends, God is for you. He's for your joy. When you wholly and completely submit your life to him, it's not, he's not oppressive. Submission to Jesus is not an oppressive moment. It's not an oppressive relationship. He's for you. When your life is centered around Jesus, you're gonna overflow with thankfulness. You're gonna find reasons to celebrate anywhere you can find them. You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna celebrate Jesus every opportunity you get. National Taco Day, hey man, thank Jesus for tacos. Hey man, thank Jesus for tacos. Yes, there's some good tacos in Chicago. Chocolate Covered Raisins Day, yuck. But hey, let's go, March 24th, let's do it. Let's be the kind of people who overflow with thankfulness, who, who celebrate at the drop of a dime. Can I brag on my wife for a second? Can I do that? Man, I wish she was here. I wish she was here. I see her living out the art of celebration. God continues to give us neighbors who are women in their 80s or 90s. I hope a few of you remember Miss Vera Toombs, uh, a woman who lived on our block, Sacramento, um, and Warren, she's lived there for, since the 60s. Same flat, lived in the same house since the 60s. She wrote us a letter the other day. She's doing well. When we moved to Council Bluffs, our downstairs neighbor, go figure, was a woman named Ruby, um, who just turned 94 about a month ago. She likes her apartment about 94 degrees. Um, it was kind of awful sometimes, but Megan, my wife, has been so faithful to her. Even though we bought a house about a year ago and moved out of our apartment, she has continued to go and see her and, and touch base with her, even as, as my wife is taking care of a little one. Megan found out that Ruby, this is crazy, that Ruby has never had a birthday party. 93 opportunities, and no one had ever thrown her a birthday party. So Megan hunts down all the family she can get a hold of, and invites them to our house and throws the coolest surprise birthday party I've ever been to. I'm talking doilies, lemon cake, country music. Y'all, this was the perfect party for a 94-year-old. <laughs> Ruby, no joke, she had to be helped up the stairs into, on, on our porch, and she comes in the door, and she almost fell down. She was overflowing with thankfulness as she saw her friends and family who haven't gotten together in years. That's how you set apart Christ as Lord in your celebration. Ruby doesn't know Jesus yet. Pray for her, but she's on her way. Lord, have patience with your daughter. So here's my closing challenge for you as a people, as a church, as an individual. For Christians, be in a small group, serve on a ministry team, learn to make disciples in your neighborhood, at work, at school. Be all in and hold nothing back. Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. Learn the art, the art, cultivate the art of celebrating Jesus in daily conversation. It's truly a skill. Basically, just trust and obey. Trust your brothers and sisters in Christ here at this church and be discipled by the community here. Ask them how, you think, how they think you should grow. What ways do I have to grow? What ways do you see pride in me? What ways do you see uh, ungodliness in me? 
ask, be vulnerable, be humble, and do what they say. For those of you who don't know Jesus yet, my challenge for you is to respond, is to ask questions. Just go for it. You're, you're never going to know unless you let God do his thing in your life, unless you give him a chance. So that's what I got. That's all I got. Can I pray for you? Yeah, let me do it. Father, thank you. I pray that you would bless this community. I pray that you would bless this city with this community. Give us unity in this city, in the churches in the city. Give us joy. Give us clarity around our purpose as a people. Lord, how do we fit in your plans for what you're doing? Give us divine opportunities to share the reasons for the hope that we so clearly have. We love you, Jesus, and we want to know you more and more. Fill us up. Be glorified in this time together. We love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you guys.